Amen. Good to see you. Oh, praise Jesus. Hallelujah. I just dropped my iPad. Oh, that's okay. It didn't crack, so it's all good. Hey, good to see you this morning. And uh, hey, can we give an appreciation uh, to our praise team? Because sometimes in moments like that, they have to be very fluidic when the Spirit of God begins to move because they had, I was here early this morning and they were practicing and they were going through everything and they did such a wonderful job and then all of a sudden the guest speaker comes up and just blows their schedule out of the water, but that's okay. They did such a great job following and being fluidic in that. So can we give them a hand clap of appreciation? Yeah. Such a great job. And uh, I appreciate them. My name is John. You've heard them say uh, John David. My, my, there are three John Skileses, okay, and uh, in our family. And so uh, we have to go by middle names so we can decipher between us. And so I am John David, all right? You can call me John. You can call me John David. You can call me pastor. You can call me, hey, friend. Uh, just make sure you call me for supper and we're all good, okay? All right? Uh, but no, hey, it's good to be here today. I am Pastor TJ's best brother. I am the best looking of the brothers. Of course, he's my only brother, but that's okay. All right? But I love and appreciate him. He called me a couple weeks ago and uh, he said, hey, is there any way, is it possible? And uh, I, I want to thank my pastor. Um, we're, we're at a place, I'm a family life pastor at our church in Jefferson City, Missouri. And uh, my pastor gives me the freedom to go and preach. And, um, you know, sometimes pastors need uh, a break just like you, okay? Pastors need vacation just like you. And, uh, you know, I, I, I get on to TJ, to the board members that are in here, I get on to Pastor TJ. I can't call him TJ. It's Pastor TJ. Oh, Lord, forgive me. Uh, forgive me, T, Pastor TJ. Forgive me, all right? Um, I, I get on to him. I'm like, bub, you got to take a vacation. You got to take a break. Got to take a vacation. And so uh, I'm on him just like you are, guys. I promise, okay? I'm on him about taking a break. So I'm so glad that they got to go. Uh, I'm a little mad at him. Because I've always wanted to go, and I didn't get to go, and they didn't invite me, but that's okay. You know, that's all right. Now, I'm glad they're having a good time, and I uh, love him. Love my sister-in-law, my sister, uh, Tristan, and uh, it's just great. It's good uh, to have my lovely bride with me, the bride of my youth, the love of my life. And, uh, man, she uh, uh, every time she kisses me, she melts those little aglets on my shoestrings. I mean, it's just, it's just great. Whew, baby, yeah. So I love my wife, and I appreciate her. And uh, it's good to have my mom, and glad that you're here. Uh, she's up watching the kids, although, you know, she was like, hey, I'm going to cook supper for the kids. And they're like, Grandma, we eat pizza rolls. We don't need you. We're okay. We got this covered. And so mom's making single portions for herself, and Novak's making homemade mozzarella sticks, whatever that is, all right. And, uh, you know, Wyatt's just drinking protein shakes, all right, going to town on those, and and uh, Zaylee, she's just uh, whatever's there, you know, but they're having a good time. Got to go out to eat with my, uh, my nephews and my niece last night, and uh, we just had a good laugh and had a good visit. And so I love my family. Don't you love family? Yeah, don't you love family? I love family. And uh, most of the time, if I get a chance to preach, I try to preach on family, but today God has given me something different. And so today I want to talk to you for the next few minutes. What time we got? Okay. We're going to talk for the next few minutes. 
Hang on, I'm counting here. 10, 20, 30. Got to be done right there. Okay. All right. So um, we, we, we're going to talk for the next few minutes about different callings, but the same anointing. Different callings, but the same anointing. All right. Would you bow your hearts with me as we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy. We thank you for uh, your love for us. God, we are here for you today. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the word that we are about to, um, to, to ingest and about to dissect and about to go through, Heavenly Father, for our growth, Heavenly Father. I thank you for each of the books uh, and the text and the writers that wrote those books uh, to bring spiritual growth unto us. Heavenly Father, I pray that a seed would be planted in us today. And I pray that we would walk out of here being a better Christian today than what we was yesterday because of your word, because of your guidance. Holy Spirit, let your words come forth from me and nothing else. And we're going to give you the praise and the glory. And everybody said amen. Amen. Uh, if you have a Bible and you want to turn to the book of Ephesians, all right, and look, I'm going to be throwing out a lot of scripture, so if you're a note taker, you're probably just going to want to write these down and go back and look at them later. If you like to flip through your Bible, I'm going to a lot of scripture, so they will be, I'm assuming, on the Blessetron right here behind me, okay, and uh, you can get your scripture there if you need, but if you have your Bible, your, your, your iPad, your notebook, whatever, your phone, uh, Ephesians chapter number four is where we're going to be this morning. Um, you know what? In the kingdom, you should never set out to be great, but instead you should set your heart on being a servant because the kingdom is all about servanthood. Amen? You should never set out to be great. I, I never in, in my life uh, wanted to set out to be a, a great pastor. And, and, and you may, well, why? Don't you want to be the very best? Absolutely. I want to be the very best that I can be, okay? But I never want to uh, sacrifice um, uh, God moving in my life. I, I never want to not allow him to move in my life because I'm seeking a reward or a crown or someone to put me on a pedestal. I never set out to be uh, great, but instead I've always set out to be a servant. Because Jesus even himself said that if you're going to be great in the kingdom of God, you must first be a servant. He's called you and I to be servants. That means we are to not think about ourselves. We are to think about someone else and everyone else around us. Jesus came not thinking of himself, went to a cross, died for you, died for me. Therefore, he served us, amen, he served us first. He cared about us first. And so if we are to follow suit and if we are to follow Christ and be like Christ, then our focus in whatever we do in life should be more about being a servant to everyone else around me for the kingdom rather than me trying to be great and successful in what I'm doing. God is fine with you having success. God loves and he wants to bless you with success. He wants you to be the best on your job. He wants you to be blessed in your finances. He wants you to be blessed with your talent and your ability. However, However, he has called you to be a servant first. Amen? Would you agree with me there? Yeah, okay. So let me read one scripture before we get to Ephesians. Philippians 4.13, it's a scripture you know very well. It says this, I can do all things. Everyone say all things. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. 
I can do all things through Christ because he gives me strength. He gives me the ability. He gives me the know-how. He tells me what step to take. He tells me which direction to walk. He shows me what the right path is that I need to go. Therefore, I can do all things when he calls me because he has called me because he has instructed me. All right? The next scripture, Ephesians 4, 1 through 3. I, therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bonds of peace. I want you to pay very close attention to that part in the Scripture where it says to walk worthy, walk worthy. Walk in a manner worthy of the calling which you have been called, okay? I want you to, to listen to that and to hear that. You need to walk in the right manner, in the right way uh, that is uh, worthy of the calling. You have been called. Every one of you in this room have been called. Now, I know some of you are thinking, oh, no, no, I haven't been called. You're up there preaching. That's you. You've been called. And, and, and we get this in our mindset that being called means that we have to have a pulpit ministry. And that is not the case. You know what? Very minimal, there's a minimal percentage of people that are called into ministry have a pulpit ministry. And there is more uh, ministry servants. God calls more people to ministry servanthood than he does to stand behind the pulpit and be one of the fivefold ministries to pour into people's life, to edify the church. You're called, you may not know it, you may not recognize it, you may not understand it, you may not believe it, but you are called to the kingdom of God and you are called to serve the kingdom of God. Amen? Well, I hope you say amen because I'm going to prove it to you, all right? Over the last uh, 25 years, excuse me, over the last 25 years of ministry, I've heard a lot of people that have made statements to me uh, like this, I don't feel adequate to get up there and do that. I'll ask them and encourage them, hey, you know what, I'm going to have you lead the devotion. You know what, we're, we're doing a huddle before service with all of our dream team members, with all of our volunteers, they're going to be here. Or, or hey, you know what, we're, we're having a men's night, and I want you to do it. Oh, no, I don't feel adequate. I just need you to speak a scripture and, and bring out one point in that scripture, take about five minutes. No, no, I, no, I, I, can't, I can't do that, and I'm not adequate. And I understand that, that people don't like speaking, all right? Um, uh, the number two fear of people in the world is, is death. The number two. The number one fear is public speaking. That means if you go to a funeral, you would much rather be the person in the casket than the person giving up giving the eulogy. That's what that means. And I understand people don't like public speaking. Me, it doesn't bother me. Can you tell? I enjoy public speaking. I, I, I enjoy sharing my heart. But can I tell you something? Not all ministry is upfront ministry. There are people that work behind the scenes that do amazing jobs and do amazing things, and we need those kind of people in the kingdom of God. We need people to make sure that everything is in order and everything is intact and everything is right. We need people to make sure that, that things are done properly before we can present. You see, we should present the ministry with excellence. This house strives, your pastor strives to present the gospel and the message of Jesus Christ with excellence. 
which is why they, they work to make sure that the sound is right. They, they work to make sure that all the light bulbs are on and nothing is burnt out. They make sure that the church is vacuumed and clean. They make sure that the bathrooms are taken care of because nobody likes to use a nasty bathroom. Amen? You see, there's ministry to be done. But sometimes we hear that word calling. God's calling you, and we say, oh, no, 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 I'm not going to preach. Oh, no, 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 I'm not going to teach. Oh, no, 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 that's not me. God's not calling me. And we, we, we take that word calling, and we put just one level of ministry under that heading rather than realizing that God has jobs all across his kingdom that he needs your talent and your ability for. Amen? Man, you guys are quiet this morning. Look at your neighbor and say, hey, wake up a little bit. Come on, tell them. All right, so the first calling. Look, everyone's called. Everybody is called. And you may be challenging me in your mind, but let me take you to Matthew chapter number 28, verse number 18. Jesus has rose from the dead. He's alive. He has been seen by over 500 people. He is, uh, Thomas has, has, has touched the, the, the holes in his hands. He has spoken to Peter and told him to go back, quit fishing, and go back to, to, to feeding my sheep and feeding my people. Told him that three times. Jesus is walking around and ministering to people in this time. And here he is, the very last moment, he's on the mountain. He's about to be ascended up into heaven. The disciples are there. And this is what he says. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. This is called the Great Commission. This is the challenge that Jesus gave to the church and told them, you are to go and you are to share the gospel. You are to go and you are to share the good news. You are to tell them that I came to die for their sins, that I went to a cross on their behalf, that I I was dead and I was in the grave, but on the third day I rose from that grave and I'm alive forevermore and I bring victory to them and all they have to do is call upon my name and they shall be saved. Amen? That's the gospel message. That's the good news of Jesus Christ. And he has called you to share the good news. That's your job. That as a child of God, that is your number one job to share the good news that Jesus did something in your life. I was eight years old standing on a campground in Mississippi around a bonfire as a minister of the gospel had a pine cone in his hand and said, look, this pine cone is like your sin. And when you ask Jesus to forgive you, Jesus takes it and he burns it all up and it's all gone. Well, for an eight-year-old, that was very dramatic because he threw the pine cone in and it just and it began to flame. And I was like, Jesus, burn my sins. And at eight years old, I asked Jesus into my heart. I don't even think it was a junior camp. I think it was a high school camp because I don't think we did bonfires for little kids. They like to jump in it. And so we, we did this bonfire, and I, I cried, and I, I grew up in church. I lived in a preacher's home. I could tell you all the stories. I knew all the songs. 
But at eight years old, he got a hold of my heart and he saved me. And I have been changed ever since. I have never been the same. You know what? As Christians, we should, rock, we should walk around with a smile on our face so people know, hey, there's something different about him. There's something different about that one. We went to a restaurant last night. I'm not going to tell you where. And I immediately, I do it all the time. I immediately just start engaging with, with the, the server. And, and he's like, you're like a game show host, aren't you? Can you see it? Next up on The Price is Right, come on down. Yeah, that's totally me. But, but I just begin to engage. I do it all the time. I walk into places and they say, hello, welcome, how are you? I'm like, I'm doing awesome. I'm probably the first awesome person you have met all day long, ain't I? And they're like, do you want two shots of espresso in that or Yes, I do. Give me two shots of espresso. Um, look, as a child of God, you have the joy of the Lord within you. For some of you, it's hidden deep down and you really need to bring it to the surface and let people see it. And I mean that with all love, okay? Hear my, hear my heart, don't hear my words. But we should absolutely share the love of Christ with people. You're called to share the gospel. Jesus is good news, not bad news. Jesus is good news, not terrible news. Jesus is deliverance, not captivity. Jesus is freedom, not bondage. Amen? Oh, come on. Come on. The second one is this. We are called to love. We're called to love. Mark 12, verse 30 and 31. And you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind, and all of your strength. And the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. This is, uh, there is no other command greater than these. Jesus gave this command to his disciples. He, there was a young man that come to him and he said, what's the greatest commandment? What's the greatest commandment? And Jesus said, this is it. The first one is that you love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength. You are to love God first. That means God was, Jesus was telling them that there should be a priority in your life. Okay. There should be a priority in your life. God should be number one over everything else in your life. Oh, but I love my wife so much. God should be greater than your wife or your husband. Oh, but I love my kids. God, your spouse, and then your kids. Oh, but you don't know my husband. You don't know God's rules apparently, okay? <laughs> God, your spouse, your kids, your calling to the kingdom. You see, the family was, uh, husband and wife were created first. First was relationship with God. God created Adam and Adam and, and God and Adam had a conversation and they had relationship and they began to grow. And then God created woman and Adam and Eve were a couple. And then after that, children came. Why would God change it up for us now when he established that in the beginning? God first, your spouse second, your kids next. Because look, there's going to come a day when your kids are old and their manager at Firehouse Sub and they're never home till like 11 o'clock. And all you do is sit at home with your wife and you're thinking, honey, we are saving up and we are buying a hot tub because we have no kids in the house. <laughs> I mean it when I say I don't even like my kids, Okay. I love my kids. I'm just glad when they move out, okay? That's another sermon for another time. You are to love people. After that, after you love God, you are to love people. 
You know what? It doesn't matter what people look like, what they act like, what they smell like. You need to love people. You need to care about them. Oh, don't go over there, that person. No, 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 maybe you need to go over there because maybe you're the only person that can share the gospel with them and them hear it and them receive it. Amen? You Maybe you're the only person that can encounter them and bring them to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. You need, they need Jesus just like you needed Jesus. They're made in the image of God. They're made in the glory of God. The breath of God is breathing to them. You're no better than them. Therefore, love them right where they are at. Oh, but Pastor John, you don't know they just drive me so crazy. Yeah, but your boss needs Jesus. Oh, my neighbor, he won't keep his grass cut. Yeah, but he needs Jesus. Listen to me. Love people. I love people. Some of you probably seen me out front this morning, and you probably you walked by, and you're like, who is this? He's walking by saying, good morning. How are you? Good to see you. Hey, I like to share it. Why? Because I love people. When I'm in a room of people, I get, I, I get a high. I really do. I get these endorphins that are running through my brain, and I'm like, there's people. I get to talk to them. I get to visit them. I get to take care of them. Is that for me? Thank you. My sinuses, I appreciate it. Ooh, in this awesome cornerstone cup that you can pick up back at guest information. So stop by and grab you one. Whew. You need to love people. Love them. I stood back there because that's my job every Sunday morning. That's what I do on Sunday morning. I stand at the doors of our church in the foyer, and I greet people when they come in, and I greet people when they go out. I encourage them. I bless them. I pray for them. I laugh with them. I cry with them. Listen, somebody, when they know that they can trust you, that's when they're going to begin to open up and trust you. And if you're never going to be a part of their life, and if you're never going to show them love, then they're never going to trust you enough to come and be in the house of God with you. Amen? If you're not willing to pour into their life out there, they're not going to come in here and let you pour into them in here. So love your neighbor. Look at your neighbor and say, love them. Oh, come on, look at your neighbor like you just swallowed gunpowder and say, love them. Look, I ain't Pastor TJ, I'm the dramatic one, okay? So just jump in with me. Next one is this, you need to love, you're called for the future. You are called for the future. First Samuel chapter 16, verses 11 and 12. I told you I was going to jump all over the place, okay? Samuel is on his way to anoint a king. Saul has broken God's heart, and God said, I'm lifting my anointing off of Saul. And he said, Samuel, I want you to go down to to Jesse's house, and he has a son, and I want you to anoint him. Samuel walks in, and he says, hey, I'm here to anoint a king. I brought a cow. We're going to have a barbecue, so you start cooking that. And uh, while that's going on, I want to meet your sons. And so the first son comes up, and, I mean, he's tall. He looks kingly. He looks like he could be the one. And Samuel's like, oh, yeah, this is one. Let's get that oil ready. We're going to dump it all over him. Then we're going to eat barbecue, all right? I want a, I want a slab of ribs. That's what I want, okay? And uh, walks up, looks at him, and God says, nope, which tells you that the look isn't always it in the kingdom of God. Amen? It's not always the look. He goes down the line to the next one and the next one and the next one and goes down the line through all the sons, and God says no every time. Verse 11, and Samuel said to Jesse, are all your sons here? And he said, well, there remains yet the youngest, but he's out keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send for him, 
because we're not going to sit down and eat this barbecue until he gets in the house. You want to make people mad? Tell them they're not going to eat till something gets done. Look, moms, you want to get your house clean? You cook a fabulous meal, and then you look at your husband and you look at your kids and say, hey, until that floor vacuum, that bathroom's clean, and until your laundry's picked up, uh-uh, ain't nobody eating this supper but me. But honey, no, 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 you get it done. And then you come and we'll eat. Samuel said, we're not going to eat. So he sent for the boy. David walks in. The Bible said he was ruby. He was burnt from the sun, being out in the sun. He was tan. He was just dusty and dirty. He had beautiful eyes. His eyes popped. And the Bible said that he was handsome. Um, he would say that about me too. Yeah, he was handsome. And the Lord said, arise and anoint him. For this is one. Now, look, David was only like 12 or 13 years old, 13, 14, somewhere in there. Wasn't very old. And you would think that the older ones would be the one. But David was the unexpected one. David was the unexpected one. No one expected David. They didn't expect him so much so that they didn't even call him to dinner. Hey, we're having a barbecue. We're having a big family party. The prophet's here. We got visitors. It's going to be great. We're going to have a good time. But you're not coming. You're going to stay out and watch the sheep. I'm sure Jesse had all kinds of servants that could have went out and watched the sheep, but, but they didn't. David comes in and he anoints him. And here's the thing I love about David, okay? You're, you're called for a future. Some of you, there's a calling in your life that God wants to use you in the future. Young person, listen to me. There's a calling in your life, and I know you have, I know you set up your future. I know you want to go to college. I know you, this is what I'm going to do. My son wants to be a dentist, and we are working towards that. We're trying to figure that out, what that schooling looks like, what that's going to cost us. Oh, Jesus. And we are trusting God for all of it. But I've taught my sons this, if God calls you to something different, be willing to drop it and go the completely opposite direction. And I know that's scary with your future, but be willing to stand before God and say, God, whatever direction you want me to go, this is the plan I have, God, but Lord, if you want me to crumple up that plan and go a different direction, I know that you'll guide my steps, and I know that you'll provide the resources, and I know that you'll do it. Listen, some of you, there's a call, you are called for the future. You are called to do something in the kingdom. Maybe not right now. David was called to be king, but he did not become Become king in that moment only by anointing, but not by taking the throne. What did he do? He gets up, he probably wipes the oil off his face and says, Dad, I'm going back because the little lamb, there's a problem and I need to go take care of it. And David walks back to the field. He walks back to what he's doing. He walks back to his job. Listen to me. There's a calling for the future and you know you've been called to do something. You know you've been called to preach or to teach or to lead or to help or to do something, but yet you haven't taken that because God is still setting you up and God is still pouring into you. David needed to learn how to, how to live and worship him out in the sheep pasture. David needed to learn how to trust God to fight a giant. David needed to learn how to serve a leader, even though that leader fought against him and wanted to kill him and tried to kill him on three separate occasions. David needed to learn how to trust God while he was running through the wilderness, while every bandit within a hundred miles was drawing to David and saying, hey, we'll follow you, we'll trust you. And I mean, these were crooks and these were thieves and these were scoundrels and these were murderers, yet they were attracted to David. And David had to learn to trust God and learn how to lead people that lived outside of the margins, that wasn't normal, that nobody would look at and expect. And David had to learn all of these things before he stepped onto the throne and became king over Israel. 
You're called to a future that is on your way, but God needs to do some things in your life. So until that happens, go back to the sheep pasture right here in this house. Serve in kids' church. Serve in the nursery. Serve as a door greeter. Serve on the media team. Serve as a prayer warrior. Serve and do whatever is called and asked to do because there's going to come a moment because God's called you and God's anointed you and there's going to come a moment when you're going to move from the sheep pasture and you're going to step onto the throne that God has placed you on. Amen? Come on, give God a hand clap. The next one is this, you're called to the family. You're called to the family. Godly marriage is a calling. Thank you for the one amen, I appreciate it. Godly marriage is a calling. God first, then my spouse. Parenting is a calling from God. Oh, I know they frustrate you. Look, we, we, we call it raising kids, but it's really not raising kids. It's raising parents. Kids know how to be kids. We don't know how to be parents, right? And so, therefore, we should really call it I'm, I'm, I'm raising parents. What does that mean? I'm learning. They're just doing. That's just the way it is. I'm learning as I go. But parenting is a call from God. One of my favorite verses concerning parenting, if you're a parent, you really need to write this down, highlight this in your Bible, remember this, Malachi 2.15 did he not make them one, talking man and woman? Did he not bring them together and make them one? And did he not pour a portion of his spirit within them uh, in their union? And what was the one God seeking? Godly offspring. What was God looking for? Godly offspring. Mom and dad, you know what God wants from you? Godly offspring. You know what he wants of your children? He wants them to be godly. He wants them to be holy. He wants them to seek him. He wants them to worship him. I love seeing all of these teenagers up here worshiping, praising God earlier. I loved it. I love seeing everyone come up and worship. I love seeing you worship right there at your seat. But what does God want from mom and dad? Parents are like, I think I'm failing. Look, if you're, if you're bringing them to church, maybe they scream and holler. Maybe you have to call them 15 times to make sure they're out of bed to get here to church on time. Don't worry, I have a 16-year-old. But listen to me. God has called you to raise them in a godly fashion, in a godly manner. You need to be obedient unto God. What he tells you to do, that's what you need to do, mom and dad. You're called to the family. You're called to raise your family in the things of God. Kids, you're called to be obedient. It's biblical. The Bible says if you're not obedient to mom and dad, your days are not going to be long. Your, your days are going to be short. I told my kids all the time, if you don't be obedient, your life's going to end here in about 13 seconds. You need to be obedient. That's not far from the truth. I kid you not. Look. Young person, listen to me. But mom and dad, they just don't understand. They're just not, they're just so, they're dumb. What they ask you to do, be obedient and do it. Everyone that is in the house that is a child, I'm not talking a kid, because look, I'm a 46-year-old child. My mom's sitting right there. The Bible says be obedient. That's for kids that are still living in the home. But for all the rest of us, it says that we are to honor our father and mother. There is no statute of limitations on honoring your father and your mother. That means if my mom come to me after service and said, John David, I need to talk to you. 
We went back into Pastor TJ's office, and she got onto me. And you're going to laugh when I say this, but it's the truth. If she felt that I needed a belt whipping and told me to bend over, I'd let her spank me. I'd probably laugh the whole time doing it, but I'd give her my belt, and I'd let her do it if she felt I needed the correction. Now, she would never do that, maybe. <laughs> According to Pastor TJ, she's the mean one. I love you, Mama. I do. I do. I'm probably going to get that whipping now. Look, there is no statute of limitations on honoring your father and your mother. I don't care how old they are. I go to my dad's house, and Mom gets mad. We go, we go, and I, I bring my boys, and, and I have four boys, and my dad loves it when they come because he can get the grass cut, he can get the wood stacked, he can get the hay field cut down with the bush hog, and he can get the garage cleaned out all in one day because he has a small workforce right there. And my boys, they're, they're hosses when it comes to working. We pull up at grandma and grandpa's and they just come expecting. They don't even walk in the house. They walk up and they're like, okay, dad, okay, grandpa, what are we doing? And mom gets mad at me. Duncan, they come here to visit. They don't come here. I'll let them play on the four-wheeler, but they got to get their jobs done first. They got to get my jobs done first, Sherry. Listen, you're called to your family. Honor your father and your mother. If my dad asks me to do something, I'm absolutely going to do my very best to get it done. Honor your father and your mother. So let's talk about Samson here for a minute under this heading of call to the family. I know. We're close. Trust me. I'll be there. Judges chapter 13. But we're not going to talk about Samson. We're going to talk about Samson's father. And Manoah said, that was his father, Samson's father. You see, what happened was Samson's mother was, was she was just working, and all of a sudden the angel of the Lord appeared and said, hey, you're going to have a child, but you need to make sure that he doesn't drink anything from the vine. You need to make sure he doesn't touch the vine. You need to make sure that his hair isn't cut. He needs to take what's called a Nazarite vow. And there were food obligations and things that he was supposed to do in his life. And he even extended that unto her. While you're carrying him, you yourself need to remain pure and holy. So no more of this and no more of that. And put her on a very strict diet, all right, that she had to follow. So she told her husband, the angel of the Lord appeared to me and told me I'm going to have a baby and said I need to change my diet. Uh, Manoah was probably mad because he had to go on broccoli and chicken chunks rather than eating steak and potatoes. I feel that within my spirit because my wife just got a diagnosis of prediabetes and I had to switch from steak to chicken and I eat a lot of chicken chunks and broccoli right now and I'm not happy with it, but that's okay. So I'm feeling Manoah's pain here, okay? So the angel of the Lord showed up to her again, and, 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 and she went and got her husband, and Manoah come in, and, and, and here's what he said. Now, and Manoah said, now when the words come true, what is to be the child's manner of life? Mom and dad, this is a great prayer that you need to pray over your children unto God each and every day. I'm serious. You need to take, get your phone out, take a picture of this, underline it, and you need to pray this. God, what is the manner, what is the manner of life that you want this child to be? What do you want them to be? How do you want them to live? You see, we're so good at trying to push our kids into all these other areas so they'll find themselves rather than going to God and saying, God, what do you want for them? And show me so that I can direct them down the right path so they don't go and waste their time doing this and waste their time doing that waste their time doing that, and I can be the voice of anointing and the voice of reason in their life to help them and guide them, which is what the scripture means when it says you are to train up a child in the way they should go. What way should they go? The way that God wants them to go. 
Their spiritual brains aren't fully developed yet. Their brains themselves aren't developed yet. Therefore, you need to cry out unto God and say, God, what way do you want my kid to go? And how do I direct them that way? What do I need to keep them from? What do I need to discourage in their life? What do I need to expose them to? My son wants to be a dentist. Therefore, we have exposed him to dentistry. We're looking for a dentist that will sit down and talk with him and share with him about being a dentist. Your kid wants to be something, find someone in that profession and sit them down with them. Create some questions that your child can ask them so they can begin to learn what is involved in this job and in this career and in the future. Oh, that's not godly. How do you know? What's God called them to? Maybe it's very godly. It's your job as a parent. So Manoah, he cried out unto God. And, and this is what he said. He said, look, she may not eat anything that comes from the vine, neither let her drink wine or strong drink or eat anything unclean. All that I have commanded her, let her observe. Manoah's job was not only to make sure Samson was headed in the right direction. It was his job also to make sure that his wife was following the strict diet and the strict behavior that she was supposed to follow. Therefore, he was leading his home. Uh-uh, honey, no, 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 you can't have that. You can't have that blueberry cobbler bay because that blueberry, it came from a, it came from a plant. You can't have that. I'm sorry, you don't need that. It's chicken chunks and broccoli tonight, babe. Look, you're called to your family. So go after your family with all your heart. Talking to God. Amen? All right, here's the next one. Pick, you're called to pick up what's been dropped. One of my favorite stories right here, Elijah and Elisha. Elijah was the prophet. Elisha was his second. He was following him. He was training. He was learning. And apparently at the beginning of chapter 2, God had revealed that Elijah was going to be caught up. Elisha knew it. The prophets at Bethel knew it. The prophets at, at, Jer at Jericho knew it. People knew what was going to happen that day. How do we know that? Because as they were going along, people come up to Elisha and said, hey, today's the day your master's going to be caught up. And he was like, shh, be quiet. We're not going to talk about that, okay? We're just going to watch and see what happens today. And so Elijah and Elisha, they, 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 they get to Jericho and they, they go to the place. Some believe it's the pl same place that Joshua brought the children of Israel across as they were coming in to take Jericho. They believe it was the same place. And, and, and Elijah walks up there and he takes his garment, he takes his mantle and he strikes it. And the water parts and they walk across and they go a little bit and they're talking. And, and Elijah asks him a question. He says, hey, what, what do you want from me? You know what's about to happen. You know what's about to take place. What do you want from me? And he said, I want a double portion. He said, look, if you're with me when I'm caught up, then you can pick up the anointing and, and, you, can, and you can follow God. And then all of a sudden, a great whirlwind came and took him up. And he took, and the Bible said that the cloak fell to the ground and, and he, he hollered, Eli, Eli, Elisha did. And then the Bible says he went over and he picked up the mantle. Some of you, it's time for you to pick up the mantle and the calling that has been placed in front of you. Why are you wasting your talent? Why are you wasting your life when God wants to bring purpose to your life, definition to who you are? And some of you may say, but I'm not called to preach and I'm not called to teach. Listen to me, it's not about that. Sometimes simply the need is the call. Hear me, sometimes the need is the call. What is needed 
that's the calling. What needs to be done, that's your calling. It's like when you drive onto this property and you see a soda can laying in the ditch or another kind of beverage bottle laying in the ditch. <laughs> the need is the call. Don't just, oh, Pastor TJ will take care of it on Monday. No. The need is the call. Oh, but God doesn't care about those things. Yeah, God does. Because it's your character. It's your character that you're building by stopping your car, turning your flashers on, getting out, picking that up, throwing it in your back seat, and throwing it away when you get up to the building. Even more than that, when your pastor stands up here, look, pastors won't say this, and I'm not your pastor. I'm leaving as soon as service is over with, so I'm just going to say it. When your pastor stands up here and says, hey, you know what? Our church is growing, and we need some help in the kids' department. <laughs> oh, he's talking to someone else. <laughs> Blessed rock of ages. What does Jesus say right now? Hallelujah. And you're trying to hide your face and cover yourself. That's not my calling. Look, the need is the call. If he says, hey, our church is growing, and we need some help in, in, in the little kids' area, the need is the call. Say it with me. The need is the call. Okay, this one's hard to swallow. Let's try it again. You ready? The if he says, hey, we're going to have a prayer night, I want you to come. And you're thinking to yourself, I don't want to come back here. I just want to sit at home in my recliner. I'm going to miss Will of Fortune. The... He says, hey, we need some more volunteers. Hey, we want to do a conference right here at the church. We need some more volunteers. The Some of you are waiting for a burning bush. You're waiting for lightning. You're waiting for God to say, this is what I want you to do. Do you trust that God has anointed your pastor to lead this church? Do you trust that God knows what he's doing? Do you trust that God speaks to your pastor and directs your pastor in what he wants for this church and this community and this body? Therefore, quit listening for thunder and lightning and a burning bush and listen to the voice of your pastor. And when he says, we need help, the it's time for you to pick up the mantle. It's time for you to pick up the mantle. It's time for you to pick up the mantle. Musicians, come on. Last one right here. Every calling carries an anointing. Every calling carries an anointing. I told you there's different kinds of callings. Some are called to preach and teach and evangelize. Some are called to open doors. Some are called to just stand there and greet people and welcome people because you have a great smile and a great personality. Some are called to give announcements because you're efficient and you can read better than me and you don't mess up the words. Some are called to run sound systems. Some are called to run computer systems. Some are called to run the live feed. Some are called to cleaning. Some are called to baking. There are some bakers, I guarantee you, in this church that would just make you want to slap your mama. I'd never do it. There are you have talent and you have ability. And sometimes what you're good at, it is your calling. Quit denying it. No, it's just something I'm good at. No, it's your calling. 
My wife is a great cook, fabulous cook. <laughs> Can you tell? <laughs> She's a fabulous cook. She spent summers down at her grandmother's house, which was about 100 yards from her house, baking. My girl can, break, can, 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 can bake homemade yeast rolls that just, oh, my Lord. Her lemon muffins are just to die for. Her pumpkin rolls, oh, Jesus. Her pineapple blueberry cobbler, dump cake thing, whatever it is. Now, I haven't had any of these in about five years because we went off sugar, and so I'm not mad or anything. I'm fine with chicken chunks and broccoli. I really am. But she still bakes and she still cooks. At our church today, they're having a, a chili dinner. It's a fundraiser for our security team, and we have a great security team. They're a part of our dream team, and they monitor. They're called sheepdogs. They live among the sheep. And they're sitting among the sheep, watching and guarding, and I appreciate them. And they needed desserts, and so they, they said, hey, we need some desserts. And so I volunteered my wife because I know that she's blessed with hospitality. So before we left on Saturday morning, no, you made them Friday night, didn't you? Friday night, she made pumpkin rolls so we could drop them off at the church for Sunday morning, for today. And there's going to be people that are going to enjoy those pumpkin rolls. You may think, well, that's not, no, that's ministry. You know what? If you're good at reaching out to people and cooking, maybe you need to start inviting families from the church to your house just to come over and get to know them and feed them and love on them and encourage them. How many would like a good home-cooked meal? Anybody? Yeah. Okay, we're all coming to your house today, okay? All right. Look, God's given you a talent. Why are you wasting it? Why are you wasting it? Here's the anointing. With every talent and calling comes an anointing. Acts chapter 1, verse number 8. But you will receive power. Everyone say power. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. CBS has a show called NCIS. Some of you, I guarantee you watch it. You miss Gibbs. I know you do. Gibbs had those 50-some-odd rules. I think we're up to 52, but I don't know for sure. And one of the last rules that he has is called don't waste good. They're rules for life, rules that he chose to live by. He said if you have something good inside of you, if you have a talent, if you have ability, don't waste it. I think this is a very spiritual rule. If God's given you the ability, don't waste it. Because I promise if you don't use it, you'll lose it. Oh, let me say it again. If you don't use it for the kingdom, you will lose it. I've known people that were phenomenal. I knew a guy that was a phenomenal guitar player. Bro, I love listening to you this morning and practice. And Great job. Great talent. Great talent. And all of you, I'm not pointing out one. You're all phenomenal. Oh, you know? Okay, yeah. Modest, too. Yeah. <laughs> I knew this guy, and he was a phenomenal guitar player, and he chose to start playing in bars and honky-tonks. And me and his son were best friends. The man grew up in church. His dad was a preacher. 
and his son Jason came to me one day and he said, I think my dad's losing his talent and his ability because he's not near the guitar player he used to be. Would God do that? Yeah. Why would he give resources to the enemy's kingdom? Think about it. Why would God continue to, 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 to give resources and assistance to the enemy's kingdom? Yeah, there's lots of great musicians that, that play music and play in places they shouldn't play. But that talent is God-given, and I guarantee you God knocks on their heart quite often and says, hey, you're using this in the wrong place. You're not using this for me. You're not using this for me. Don't waste good. If God's given you something, begin to pray about it. Don't let what you have become dusty and crusty sitting on a shelf. Because God wants to use you because you have purpose. You have purpose in the kingdom of God. You're valuable to the kingdom. Listen to me. Every eye on me right now. Every eye on me right now. You need to listen and hear what the spirit of God wants to say. I just so want to get right there down in your face right now. Can't you tell? I'm pacing. You have value. And can I tell you something? And this goes for any pastor that is listening to God, that is hearing the voice of God, that is following the voice of God, and your pastor is doing that. He sees more in you than what you see in yourself. There's more to you and more value in you. There's greater things in you than what you see in yourself. And that feeling of unaccomplishment and that feeling that you're not good enough, quit listening to the lies of the enemy. Who told you you wasn't good enough? It wasn't God. It was the enemy. Who told you that you're not good enough to serve in this house? Who told you that you're not good enough to love people that are unlovable? Who told you that you can't work for the kingdom right there with what you're doing and where you are at? So quit believing the lie of the enemy and start believing the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That you have talent, you have purpose, you have ability, and greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Put that Philippian scripture up for me. Everybody stand to your feet with me. It's the very first scripture we, we shared, Philippians 4 and 13. I want you to set your heart right now. I want you to set your heart because I want this to be your prayer this morning. It's not just you reading words. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You're going to read this out loud so that your brain can hear it. So it will, so a seed will plant in your heart. And I, I just don't want you to read this because we're reading it. If something has sparked in you today, if something that I said is, hey, I do have talent, I do have ability, then I want you to read this, and this is your prayer today. Right now, you and God, close your eyes for a second, you and God, right now. Lord, I have talent, I have ability, and if you want it, it's yours. Pray that with me, Lord.